There's nothing accidental about their play. There's nothing that's been lucky about where the, what, what the record is. They, they've been a really strong team in so many different areas. Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I've lost track of what episode it is, but that's another thing in itself. We're getting Tyler, close to 200. <laughs> we've worked so hard to get to almost 200. I know it was 175 a while back, but uh, Tyler Esquivel will be joining me at the beginning part of the podcast going forward, uh, wherever you are. Yep. You have to join me now. So you have, you've signed your name on the dotted line. Yeah, we're here. Duties we're is assigned, so there's no extra pay for this one. Just okay, cool. the notoriety no, that comes we with We went it. into my contract and we added a line. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> did. <There's, laughs> it's the fine details you did not look into. Yeah, that's okay. The Happy to be here. Love being here. Love doing this with you. It's good. I, I like it. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Craig Button's on the way. You just heard a clip from him a little bit earlier. I, I am fascinated right now. With the way the Jets are playing, how they are not still in the conversation nationally at this point, and it's become a burr in my saddle as of late. Okay, yeah. I was as I was driving here this morning, yeah. um, and we're recording this on what is it, Tuesday the ninth, and obviously some things in the NHL have gone on. We've got Cutter uh, Goche being traded to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Nylander signed his contract, yeah. and I'm listening to NHL. Oh, we, we we hear about that yeah. all the time. I, I'm listening to NHL radio, and I get that the Jets didn't play. The, uh, last night, mm-hmm. but just not a mention of it. It's wild to me. If and the Leafs were in first place in the standings right now, we'd hear about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, the national championship happened last night, too. So yeah. th- there's a lot going on in the sports world that isn't in Winnipeg. But, man, like, there, part of me is like, this is ridiculous. But the other part of me is like, I, I don't mind it either. Yeah. Like, I like flying under the radar. We've I've been working here for like eight years now. Yeah, Always flying under the radar. And it's, I don't know, part of me likes that. Uh, yeah, what I get that. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you lived in Toronto, so obviously there's yeah. something going on with you. I, I don't, like, here's the thing. The first, when, I, when I came here 17, 18, I was cool with flying under the radar and how excited everybody was when the Jets got to, you know, moved into first place in the standings or were fighting for first with Nashville all that year. Now it's just like this team is so good that it, it's disappointing to me that they're not part of more conversations outside of the Cole Perfetti, Ryan Hartman incident, which I felt was a little overblown and they could have moved on from that and talked about how good the Jets are playing on top of that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think the thing with the Hartman Perfetti situation is it kind of, it resonated with a lot of people because yes. it kind of spoke to a bit of a larger issue in hockey. 100%. And you and I are not going to debate that. Here. No, we are not. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a little disappointing, but at the same time, I think in that dressing room, you know, 25 feet away from us, mm-hmm. I think they're okay with uh, flying under the radar and yeah. keeping it that way. So it, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, I would like to, you know, turn on Sports Center or turn my car radio on and hear them talking about the Jets, but I'm not going to be surprised that they don't. No, and, and don't be surprised at all. Locally, though, it's being covered like crazy as it should be. So we'll hear more from Craig Button um, from TSN a little bit later. He'll talk about the Jets. He'll talk about the World Junior Hockey Championships. The Jets prospects that were there, Rutger McGrody won gold. Uh, Elias Salomonsen and Fabian Wagner took silver in the, of course, with Sweden. Uh, we got the mailbag coming, the question of the week, which is what has impressed you the most during the Jets' 12-game point streak? That's going on right now. Maybe it changes, maybe it doesn't by the time this podcast runs on Wednesday, so we're taping this on Tuesday, so keep that in mind. Uh, now, one of the big reasons why I got you here, you were a part of and was around the mentors trip, which is the dad's trip, grandfather's, uncle's, brother's, I think pretty much covers everybody that was on that trip, uh, correct? There were a couple close friends as well yeah. that tagged along on mm-hmm. the trip for uh for some players but yeah it was a it was a really cool trip um so men 
when we get together <laughs> with other men that we don't know, yeah, it's very like, hmm, nice to meet a lot you. Of, a lot of head nods. Have a sip of my beer and I'll just enjoy the sporting event that's happening. Here. Well, you got to sit in the suites all three games, correct? Well, sitting would not be an accurate representation of what I was doing. Right. I was standing. I was working. You were partaking. Shooting, although I'm sure every time I ended up on the broadcast, I you wasn't were on doing, there a lot. I wasn't doing anything. My mom was sending me pictures, being like. Do you even work? Like, are you just chilling, eating the chips in the back? Which, yes, the chips were very good. When you're mm-hmm. in California, the tortilla chips seemingly are always really good. Yeah, the food looked delicious. So I had a little couple snacks. Thank you, snacks. Chuck Hellebuck. A couple, yes. Yeah. I had a couple snacks. But anyway, back to my original point. You know, for game one in San Jose, everybody's pretty reserved. Nobody really has, like, broken that ice yet with each other. All just like, oh, yeah, Jets win. You know, it's exciting. But everybody's, like, kind of nervous. And, and you're in a new situation, too. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to take it all in. Well, they had a bit of a team-building activity uh, for the dads uh, on the game day in Friday in Anaheim. And after that, it sort of galvanized the group together because game two in Anaheim, the vibe in the suite was just like, I'm your best friend. You're my best friend. (laughs) Did we just become best friends? Exactly. They were doing karate in the garage. It was great. Um, So everybody was having a great time. So it was just hilarious to see how, you know, whether you're six years old in the playground or... 50s, 40s, 50s, and 60s in a suite at an NHL game, we're all the same. Yeah. So uh, it was just funny to see that dynamic. But yeah, it was it was a great time. Uh, looked like everybody had uh, an awesome uh, time with the with the team and taking everything in. And I mean, to pull off three wins, it's, it's a tough look for the Jets' moms. I, I was just going <laughs> to get to that because. The mom's trip, which I was on, uh, my mother-in-law came on that one. Uh, the Jets did not win a single game on no. that trip. So you could, I saw a tweet from uh, Neil Pionk's mom, Karen. You know, we're, yeah, do, we're doing I did, just I fine. I saw that as well. Yeah, we're doing just fine. So as I mentioned that, we'll get more on the mentors trip. I asked Neil Pionk before the Jets left on this trip, what's the biggest differences between having the moms on the trip and then the dads slash grandfathers, friends, uncles? Here's that, here's that answer. Well, when you lose and your mom's there, it's, you know, it's okay, honey, it's going to be all right. And when you lose and, you know, your dad's got an idea how to fix it, right? So it's, uh, no, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I did a dad's trip in New York and then the mom's trip a few years ago in Winnipeg. So we're, we're excited for it. So I, I, I found that answer very funny because it, I, I saw a lot of that. The moms were just so excited. They're, they're always positive the whole time, no matter what. Even when they're going to that last game, they hadn't won a game yet. Moms were really upbeat the whole time. Um, so when they're... When they were, it was two and zero. They go into Arizona, the golf trip. Yep. Uh, the golf, sorry, the go- they went out and played golf on the Saturday, the day off. Just what was the vibe like heading into that final game against Arizona? You've already won two games. You probably felt pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah. The the vibe going into that one, I would say pretty positive, but mm-hmm. you know, cautiously optimistic because I think they all knew that there was a pretty cool opportunity to do something special heading into that game, and and I mean. Looking back on it, like you never take an opponent for granted, but no. I mean, you're playing Arizona. You've had a really good record up until now. Like you, you're in first place in the NHL. You should beat that team. Yes. And they go out and they do just that. Um, you know, the golf day galvanized the group even more. I really think everybody had fun. You know, just a, a point on Neil Pionk yeah. and how he said there's going to have like 30 coaches. Yes. His dad is the ultimate coach. <laughs> Like, I was shooting all the dads, you know, just watching the game or whatever. And yeah. Neil's dad, and I said, I talked to Neil about this. Like, he's sitting there, you know, across <laughs> him. He's muttering things to himself. And what is he going to bring up with Neil it afterwards? It was very, I'm like, wow, he is a coach, like, through and through. And he runs hockey camps back in, uh, 
in uh, in Duluth and in in Hermantown in the in the summertime. But yeah, I don't know. So it was just very funny that he made that quote, and then you know that he was he was right when he came. At least his own father. So. He, yeah, he was basically talking about his own dad, but just trying to encompass everybody in yeah. together yes. in, the, in that category. Exactly. Yeah, uh, we did talk about Arizona. I kind of jumped a little bit. One of the best parts was in Anaheim. Nate Schmidt. Yeah, like we had taught, you know, he had talked about it and talked about it, not scoring his first goal. And, you know, he scores in Anaheim and it was a huge goal as a game winner. The best part about this is how he goes through it. And you knew it would be a great answer afterwards. So here's Nate Schmidt's comment about his first goal of the season, which came in Anaheim. I think I was yelling at Sandberg for half his own. Um, <laughs> you get a little scared when all of a sudden you see your D partner leading the rush and you're the next one up. But um you know, I think he makes a great play at the blue line, allows that play to happen. Um, Fetz was giving me a little grief for looking him off, uh, but you know what? I think redemption came his way about five minutes later. Um, but it feels good to, to feel like you finally got a, especially with all the, the first two periods went, I felt like it was just a slow game for Sammy and I. Just We weren't really in a click in, and, <clears throat> and it just was, you know, puck was going everywhere. It wasn't really like a you know, clean start for us, but I thought we. Yeah, had a really good third period, and that feels good. feels good to get that one. So you, they, they've got these points ten, in 12 straight games as we tape this podcast on yep. Tuesday morning. A big part of this all relies on Connor Hellebuck. I don't know what else he can do. He's third star of the month, got named to the All-Star game, and was third star of the week, mm-hmm. which was named on Monday. I think it's funny. I, I saw something on TSN the other day. They are talking about, Thatcher Demko and Connor Hellebuck, who's the better goaltender in Canada right now. And, you know, Thatcher Demko gets brought up because he is a lot busier. Oh, for sure. A lot busier than what Connor Hellebuck is. But I, I think of the game in Arizona, the game, it's 2-1, and Hellebuck makes that huge stop in the second period. Um, and then a little bit later, it's when Cole Perfetti made it 3-1. So before that, it could have been 2-2, but yeah. Hellebuck, who was not busy at all, I think it was about six or seven shots at that point, but he makes a huge stop. And Rick Bonus has been talking about this over and over again. Timely saves, timely goals. What Connor Hellebuck has provided this year is that timely save over and over and over again. And therefore, I think he has to be the front runner for the Hell- the Vezina Trophy, the, Hell- the Hellebuck for the Vezina Trophy at this point. Way too early, really, to get into it. But the yeah. way he has played and the consistency he has brought this year, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, yeah, pretty much. That's said the weird part there. about him. Like he's just so solid. Yeah. And, and you you bring up the phrase timely save. I'm in the room after wins, shooting uh, coach's speech and the jacket presentation. Like yeah. literally every time Bones comes into the room, he goes up to either one of the goalies because they both been playing great. He, he'll Timely saves, timely <laughs> saves. So, yeah, that is a phrase that he uses. So I know some people don't like that phrase, but yeah. uh, it, it it's makes – accurate. It's accurate. Yeah. It makes sense. Like, yeah. I, get off your horse. But, um, yeah, he's just been so consistent. And, obviously, the Jets' defensive structure has just been far and away better than it's been in past years. And I think that's provided him some relief. And obviously, this this run of what is it, twenty nine games, yes. eight games without a three or three or fewer goals, like it's ridiculous. that's incredible. Like really, when you when you extrapolate it over the course so of so why time, are they not part of the national conversation? Like, there's just so many things going on here, and I'm, we won't get into this because we've already touched on it a little bit. Because I want to get to yeah. the mailbag, and, and of course, Craig Button. But it's 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 crazy to me what is going on here and how well they're playing that is just not there. So we're not going to get into that. Yeah. Anyways, mailbag. Um, the question I asked a lot of people on Twitter was, or not a lot of people, just on my on my Twitter page was, what has impressed you the most about the Jets during this 12-game point streak? They're 10-0-2. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Yeah. So 
It's your podcast. <laughs> Which you are now part of, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Uh, we'll go into that a little bit later. Uh, to me, so the, before we came on and we started this, to me right now, they, their power play has been criticized over and over and over again because I, I felt now it was like you're almost being nitpicky. You're like you're trying yeah. to find something that's wrong. What's the crack in the armor? So the fact that they their power play, which was a lot better on the road in those three game than that three game road trip, it's they're winning despite that. That's the, the part of it, right? The five on five play has been so consistent and so stunningly good that they've they've won despite their power play not being at its best. And you look at who's on the power play, and you're like, how can they not be scoring more? Yeah. That's the part to me that has impressed me the most, not only just during this 12-game point streak, but the whole season. So uh, before we get to the mailbag, what's you, what has impressed you the most during the 12-game point streak? Yeah, I think it's just the the five-on-five play mm-hmm. and the defensive structure. So obviously the five-on-five play has been talked about a, at large. You know, They just seem to create so much when they're evenly matched out on the ice, which is you know the majority of the game. I mean, you talk about the power play struggles. Sure, like you want that to succeed, but you're looking at what maybe eight minutes of the game where you're at a man advantage. Like you want to be able to supplement your five on five, but I think the the five on five play has bought them the time and room to really work at that PP. And if you can go into March and April with a solid power play, I think you set yourself up for the playoffs. I mean, you don't you don't win the Stanley Cup in, in October, November, December. But, you know, you can definitely take yourself out of that running. The Jets have kept themselves in that running. And then the second part of that is the defensive play. I think it's just so impressive when they're in their own zone that when one guy makes a move, the four guys on the ice are making a corresponding move to fill in the gaps. And it just never seems like the other team has much going. You know, I think a lot of the times in previous years, you're sort of hanging on to your belt a little bit like, oh, boy, here we go. And it just doesn't seem to happen. There was like one shift in Arizona the other night where the Jets were hemmed in their own zone. But like the other team's good too. So yeah. it's going to happen. But it just feels like every time that there's just never a defensive breakdown. And it's going to happen from yes. time to time. And, and that's just That's what that's Neil Pionk said whenever they break down. Bucky's there. Yeah. yeah. So And I mean, now just, L- and LB, of course. It's so consistent and so impressive to watch. So that's that's what impressed me most over this 12 games. All right. To the mailbag it is. Ezzy Ginsberg, of course, friend of the show. Uh, his most impressive part is Chuck Hellebuck. That, of course, is Connor Hellebuck's dad. Put on a great performance during the uh, road trip. Brad Lambert Fan Club says the consistency in play all year round has been second to none. Blitzy, or official, or B-L-L-Z-Y. Is that ballsy? Billsy? I don't know. Let's see. Let's take a look at that. Blizzy. Blizzy. Okay, it's like thank a you. Blizzy, but with a That's beat. what happens you don't have your glasses on. Their tenacity. Alex Howe. Contributions from up and down the lineup. It's not just one line or one D pair leading the charge offensively. And finally, Darren Walker. The fact that they've got forwards that are willing to stand in front of the other team's net, screen the goalie, and get the rebounds. We haven't had a Jets team be this gritty, scoring two foot goals since the days of Paul McLean. Paul McLean. He was the one with the mustache. <laughs> that's, right. that's, all, that's all you need to know. <laughs> Anyways, thanks so much for writing into the mailbag. If you ever want any other comments, ask us at uh, groundcontrol at winnipegjets.com. And, of course, uh, contact me on Twitter. Let's uh, The schedule coming up this week, Jets playing Columbus. As uh, uh, the day that we are taping this podcast, Chicago is also here without Connor Bedard. <sighs> And then last but not least on Saturday, it is the Philadelphia Flyers in town. So it, it, it's an interesting homestand uh, for the first three games. Two of the teams on this, on this homestand not in the playoff situation. 
Um, so we'll see how this all pans out. Um, moving on to the play of the week and before after the play of the week, Craig Button. I do get to ask Craig why the Jets are not getting more national attention and, of course, about the Jets' prospects of the World Juniors. And he got to work in the same booth as Dennis Bayak in Dennis's final broadcast. So uh, we'll go over that. And Craig got emotional, so we'll talk about that coming up after this. But in the play of the week, there's a lot going on this road trip. The one, and we just talked about the power play. How about the tap-in goal on the pass for Nikolai Ehlers across to Gabe Velarde in San Jose? Impressive to say the least, but if you don't believe me, Here's the play. Jets doing everything except taking the lead on this power play. Morrissey to Shikley. Again, it's Nikola Ehlers. Velarde scores! <laughs> Gabe Velarde from about a foot away from the goal line, and Winnipeg leads it for the first time. This is all about the pass from Nikolai Ehlers. Hi, I'm Connor Hellebuck. Jordan Cairo, right in, stopped by Hellebuck. And this is the Ground Control Podcast. He is TSN analyst slash scout. He is Craig Button. Uh, pleased to have him on the podcast here this afternoon. Craig, how are you? And how like how is the travel back from the World Juniors? Uh, the travel back is uh, really good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I had I had some tight connections, but everything was on time. And you get back in and settled in. I hate telling anybody this, Jamie. Mm-hmm. I never have a problem sleeping on, when I'm over there, and I never have a problem adjusting back. And, you know, all, all natural. I don't do anything <laughs> uh, other than just kind of get myself trying to on the schedule as quick as I can. I know a lot of people have tr- struggles, but uh, I get I get acclimated very quickly. Do people get upset when you tell them stories about how easy of a time you have with, you know, your your sleep schedule? I don't tell them when it's happening. I just go, yeah, me too. I didn't sleep good last night. Yeah, I'm struggling. You know, it's, it's in moments like this that I can tell you that. But when people yeah. are struggling with yeah. acclimating to time changes uh, each way, I- I'm not ready to tell anybody that I'm doing just fine. Uh, listen, you, you had a great tournament. Uh, you got one of the the special moments that you had in Sweden was uh, working with Dennis Bayak in his final broadcast. Uh what has it been like working with Dennis over the years, and what was it like doing that final broadcast with him? Well, I mean, working with Dennis, and if anybody says anything negative about working with Dennis, question that person, because mm-hmm. Dennis is wonderful to work with. He's wonderful to spend time with. He's he's a friend to so many, and I think we all feel uh, really uh, yeah, comfortable when we're with Dennis, because Dennis makes us feel comfortable. He's a brilliant broadcaster, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to do almost 200 broadcasts with Dennis. So, there, you know, that familiarity where, you know, the glove, the hand fits into the glove for me, it just, it's perfect and whatnot. Now, I mean, I knew, and I mean, a lot of us knew that this was Dennis's last uh, broadcast. And Laura Dykin, who does such a brilliant job yes. hosting uh, the panels on TSN, she sent me a note that morning. She goes, like, if you don't hold it together, I she says, I'm going to lose it. I said, Laura, I have no chance. And, of course, you, you, you can rehearse it, but, you know, Dennis is the type of person that you, it, it's so warm and comfortable to be around him. And then when you start to speak about him in, in, in the manner and, and, and the way that he's impacted all of us in such a positive way, it's hard not to uh, be emotional, and I'm an emotional person. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nobody was surprised uh, that I did. Laura, you know, she only had the introduction, and then she was able to get out. She said if she had to talk any longer, she said uh, it wouldn't have been a pretty sight. But I think it's always a pretty sight 
uh, when you can uh, honor uh, Dennis and honor somebody of, of his stature. And certainly uh, I felt uh, I felt that honor. I felt very privileged to be able to be with him on his last broadcast and, and to pay tribute to him. Because it's not me paying tribute to him. I yeah, was I paying tribute to him on behalf of everybody that's worked with him. Yeah, I, and you felt that. You felt that as watching it. It felt very organic, especially when you got emotional. And then I saw Laura trying to keep it together. The best part in all of this, Craig, is that Dennis didn't get emotional at all. He was the one keeping it together. That was the best part. How was that? Well, I mean, I think that that speaks volumes about Dennis. You know, the game, when he's broadcasting it, can go sideways. It can get mm -hmm. topsy-turvy and upside down. And Dennis keeps it right on the rails. So, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the benefits of working alongside Dennis. You know, I, I, I talked about Shane Knighty, who started working with Dennis, and then Kevin Sawyer, and certainly myself. I mean, I mean, when you talk about rank amateurs and, you know, being being neophytes, I mean, that's what we all were. And, and Dennis was patient with us, and, and not just us, with anybody he's worked with. And I think that, you know, you become so appreciative of, of that type of person. And, and what Dennis teaches you is not only important in terms of the broadcast, but he also teaches you it's important with dealing with people. And we all we all do our best to pay it forward. And, and, and that, again, is, is because of Dennis. Okay, so you were there to cover a tournament. It was a great World Juniors, uh, great job by the hosts of Sweden. But just how dominant were the Americans from start to finish that tournament, Craig? Well, I mean, they were they were really good. David Carl, the coach, said that it, you know this was about building from game one. He even went all the way back to the pre-tournament games, and he said how important it was to play those games and to build your team. And certainly, they had their scare uh, in, in in their semifinal game. Sweden had had their scare in the quarterfinal game. The two best teams played in the gold medal game. And, yes. you know, when you when, when you break it down and, and, and certainly, you know, you can look at different areas of the team. Once the U.S. scored the third goal to make it 3-1, I'm standing there and I'm going, Sweden needs three more goals on Trey Augustine. And I said, not happening. And right. even though Sweden scored at the end of that second period and made it a 3-2 game and there was some energy in the building, you, you just didn't feel that, that uh, the U.S. was going to cede control. And they didn't, and they widened their lead and certainly took control of the tournament. The best team won. And yeah. Sweden was, was a good team that played right there with them. But you, when you get to that point in the tournament, and David Carl pointed this out at the outset, you know, what you want to do is, is be at your strongest at the end. The U.S. were exactly that. Was Rutger McGrody at his best in that final game? Uh, you know, the, the, here's the thing what I would say to you, Jamie, about Rutger. Yeah. Rutger is is a 100% all-in competitor. Mm -hmm. You know, he had missed so much time leading into the World Junior Tournament. And, you know, he was trying to find his way at the beginning. And he, but he was he was in the mix. He was always going to give you 100% effort and the competitive fire that he brings every single shift. And as the tournament went on, you could clearly see him, you know, getting his legs underneath him, getting his stamina, getting his hands in there. What I would say about Rutger, he's the unquestioned leader of that group, of that yeah. 04 group, unquestioned. And it's not just what Rutger gives you on the ice. It's what he gives you everywhere. And and the way that he, 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 he he's so supportive of the plays on the ice and the individuals off the ice. And, you know, the, the, I, I've, I've had the luxury of watching him for four years. 
And I'm beyond impressed. I'm beyond impressed. And, and you think you become so impressed. And then he shows you even more to be impressed about. I, I, I know this when I talk about uh, what, what, what he gives a team on the ice. What he gives the team off the ice is every bit as critical. Uh, and, and the way he is, is supportive of his teammates, the way that he sets an example in every single regard, it, it's just phenomenal. He, 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 he's, a special, he's a special person. He, he's a terrific player, a hard-nosed player, a competitive player, but, but he's a special person. Yeah, in the short time he's a Winnipeg Jets, the fans are really taking a liking to him. Two other prospects in, in this tournament, Elias Salomonson and Fabian Wagner. I know Wagner didn't get a lot of ice time, Craig, but let's go with Elias Salomonson. And, and uh, through the suspension through the first game, and or sorry, he got sus- knocked out of the first game and then suspended for the second one. But as his tournament went along, what did you think of him? I, I think that Salomonson has really taken his game up levels i think part of the challenge jamie with young players is mm-hmm. is the players getting comfortable with being who they are you know you get into your draft year and you you want to show that hey i can do this and i can do that but every player has, has has their own what i would call set of attributes that that they're going to have to hang their hat on as as prospects and try to get to the nhl and I think that Salomonson has absolutely been able to do that. He's physical. He's rugged. He's competitive. He understands. I, I just got to move the puck. If I'm playing with good forwards and I just got to get to the puck and move the puck. But he he's territorial. He plays with edge. He plays with that competitive spirit that says, you want to try to beat me, you're going to have to give everything you have. He shrinks the ice, makes life very difficult for opponents. Those types of defensemen, I think, are so important to successful teams. And I certainly see a player that has NHL written all over him. And is it going to be immediate? No, he's going to need a little mm-hmm. bit of time to, to develop uh, the qualities, the strength, the physical maturity. But his game is really, really strong. And certainly what you look for in players to add different elements to a successful group. And it paired really nicely with Axel Sandin Pelica, didn't he? He did, and, 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 and even he gives you uh, the benefit to move players around. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they were able to, to play him with Havlid for a little bit of a stretch, and he can support uh, Havlid, who, who's a very skilled defenseman. And, and that's something you like to see in a player. How does, he, how does he work in that what I call partner play? How does he support different types of players? And, you know, it's one thing to say he can play in these situations, but, but he gives strength to a defensive pair no matter who you are. And I, I, I think those that's really important as well. All right. So we just talked about the uh, big chunk of the future of the Winnipeg Jets. Let's talk about the current Winnipeg Jets. And I know you've been overseas, but clearly you're, you're up to speed on what they're doing right now. 10-0-2 in their last 12 games, their first overall in the National Hockey League. What more can you say about this team? And Craig, how much more do the Jets have to do to kind of get some more national recognition in your opinion? <laughs> Can I answer the second question first, Jamie? Yes. Yeah, I would love National that. National recognition is, is it, it, it's amazing. People, oh, well, you see the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, I see them regularly. And, you know, the NHL has 32 teams and Canada yeah. has seven teams. And it's almost like yeah, certain teams get lost in the mix. And I guess that that's just part and parcel of, uh, of our big country and Toronto-centric. And I don't say Toronto-centric in a negative way. No, I don't think so either. So, yeah, certain markets have to have to you know just continue to show. Hey, we're worthy of attention. Certainly, the Winnipeg Jets have have done that. And listen, 
when you play as well as the Winnipeg Jets have, you're going to get the national attention. And I think that their play is not – there's nothing accidental about their play. There's nothing that's been lucky about where the, what, what the record is. They, they've been a really strong team in so many different areas. And, 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 Jamie, I keep going back to what Adam Lowry said at the beginning of the season. He said, we know how good Pierre-Luc Dubois is and the three players we got from L.A., probably individually aren't as good as Pierre-Luc, but we're a better team with those three players. You, you know, you think about the speed, the size, the depth in their lineup. I also think with Kevin Shevel-Dayoff, a couple of under-the-radar moves that need to be mentioned is mm-hmm. the acquisition of Nita Ryder and Nemesnikov last year. You're looking at such a deep forward group. The defense has been good. We know how great Connor Hellebuck is. But this is a really hard team to play against. They're big. They're fast. They're skilled. And, and they have all the different elements that make them really hard to play against and can give them a lot of success. So, you know, if they get their power play working a little bit better, mm-hmm. if they get their penalty killing working a little bit better, they don't take penalties. That's a really disciplined team. So mm-hmm. all those those other areas of special teams, once those get a little bit improved, a little bit better, how much better will the Winnipeg Jets be? I mean, uh, there's no place higher to go than one, but I think what they're trying to do now is, is try to solidify themselves for being a really hard team to play against in the Stanley Cup playoffs and one that can go deep and contend. Hey, I told you 10 minutes. We took you to 11. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Welcome back to North America, and we look forward to seeing you the next time you're in town. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. It was a pleasure to join you. Uh, Many thanks to Craig Button for coming on the show. Uh, Busy man, as he always is, and is always so kind with his time. You got to see the Dennis Bayak in Arizona. So Dennis does the World Juniors, doesn't go back to Kelowna where he lives. He His winter home is in Arizona. So take us through that conversation before we get out of here. Yeah, it was a, a quick stop at the bar because where else would it be? Um, Dennis. <laughs> did he come in the room after the game? Uh, he did, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that was actually – so in the room I was shooting uh, scrums, but just mm-hmm. out of the corner of my eye, Dennis was in there because you can, you can hear that iconic voice. Mm-hmm. And just player after player, like, Dennis, like, hey, how are you? And – catching up so it was just it was really great to see him and it was great to see him get the the adoration and recognition for for an amazing career yeah um you know still the same old dennis with with fantastic dad jokes yeah yeah (laughs) dad jokes and uh, appropriate for the mentors trip yeah yeah it was it was great to see dennis we we had a a good a great dinner with him on what was that saturday night so Mm -hmm. in arizona um awesome to see him and we wish him and his wife bev all the best in in their in their next chapter of life here so um well thank you so much for taking us through it thank you so much for your time here on behalf of tyler esquivel of course craig button i'm jamie thomas thanks so much for watching slash listening to ground control the official podcast the winnipeg jets we'll see you next week